Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here, joined by Josh and Connor, catching you up on some World Cup qualifying, some Major League Soccer, not a whole lot of action in the MLS world, but still some action in just the general world of soccer, as it is a wild, wild place. So thanks so much for tuning in to another episode as we catch you up. It's been a while since, it hasn't been a while, it's been seven days, but it's been an eventful seven days because there has been a lot of soccer that a lot of us care about. So, Connor, are you, you are back, I guess, at school, right? The break mm-hmm. is over. How is, no, the break is still going on. How's the break yes. treating you so far? How much longer do you have of said break? Is it Thanksgiving it is break? Cur- Sorry? Is it Thanksgiving break? Reading week. Ah, Reading. Yes, we've reading week this week, uh, so it ends. What books are you Sunday. reading? Do you actually read during reading week? No, I don't read. I do lots of work instead because lots, lots of, of work week, of work. my favorite. Yeah, I did the reading for. I him. do have readings I have to do um, eventually, but that is a problem for later in the semester. Uh, <laughs> today was busy. Did two interviews with a guy named Braxton Whitehead. Uh, plays for the, I'm blanking on the team's name, uh, plays in the WHL from Alaska, and also friend of the show, Rachel Dory, just before this. Uh, so catching up with her is good, fun, uh, but you can check out my Instagram, or I'll probably tweet it out at some point, um, for more info on my practicum and all that stuff, because uh, that's what all this is for, but Decent week. Very busy yesterday, too. Lots of filming. Seven-hour day. Uh, out doing shooting and stuff. So I've been busy and was at my cottage last weekend. So if the audio sucked, you can blame Drew. Uh, although I don't know how many listened to it because I don't know if it went out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Rip. Uh, it did not. It did not? Did we check today? Big text yes, out to get I us. Just, I checked five seconds ago, actually. Well, that is good to know and something we will have to contact our friends over at Fansided about um, because I don't know why that is happening. But other than that, good week. Went to my cottage, which was nice. Um, Yeah, our last episode has zero downloads, so that's good. Um, Hopefully we figure that out. But... Yeah, so I guess nobody can complain about the audio because no one will listen to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, went to my cottage, very relaxing. Uh, spent time with grandparents, friends, which was nice. 
Um, so, yeah, good but very busy week and going to get even busier as we continue on the semester. So get used to, although none of you have heard it, uh, Drew slash maybe Josh's edits if he ever decides to learn how to do that, which he shakes his head saying no. Uh, so let's go to the spoiled rat of this podcast who does no work in the post-production of our episodes. Yeah, all right, that's me, I guess. <laughs> um, I do love how you just don't disagree I at mean, all. <laughs> I've done a really good job of, and I tell people this all the time uh, when I'm teaching music, because electronics are a big part of the marching activity, like marching band and indoor drumline and drum corps and those things. Um, especially in the front ensemble, which is one of the two percussion sections in all of those groups. And I've done a superb job of not learning a single thing about how any of that stuff works. So whenever any of it goes wrong, because it happens all the time and somebody, if they ever bother to ask me, I'm going to be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. We've got a soundboard over there. I, it looks like, like alien symbols to me. I have no idea how any of it works. Uh, I could probably find a mute button. Uh, but that's about it. And, uh, yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm proud of myself for just, not having just learned a single thing. Imagine how much more effective and better you would be at your job if you knew. Well, hold on a second. It's not, it is not part of my, um, responsibilities in the position I am. Imagine how many more opportunities you would have <laughs> if you learned how to use one of the simplest things you can use. A soundboard. You are correct, but uh, <laughs> I still don't feel like doing anything about it. So are I'll you, keep you posted. Are you prepared to tell the people what your plan is now? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No, that'll that'll come down. We, let's. Well, I gotta make sure it comes to fruition first. So we'll, we'll wait a little bit before we get there. But oh, besides not learning how to to work a soundboard this past week, which still going strong. <laughs> Uh, good week for me. We had auditions at one of the ensembles I teach. So that was on Sunday. So it took up like the whole day for us. And that was really good. I had a competition to go to on Saturday on staff uh, for the school I teach at. And they had a performance. Uh, it wasn't great, if I'm being honest. They know that. It's okay. It was their first ever full run through of the show in uniform in front of an audience. So all things considered, it was good. They did a good job handling that situation. But um, the the band that I teach at has dropped in numbers heavily just because of COVID and because a lot of kids in this area did virtual school last year. So they got a taste of not doing band. And so they love not doing band. And so they never came back. <laughs> that is um, so teen. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so the band is like half the size it was pre-COVID. Uh, which is unfortunate, but all the kids that are there are good kids. They're just really inexperienced. Um, so this weekend was really good for them in that regard. And then speaking of reading, I finally finished Lord of the Rings fellowship of the ring. The first book oh. took me about a year to Ooh. read. <laughs> took me a long time, but I already jumped into the two towers and I'm already like 40 pages into that from two days. And so I'm really enjoying, I've, I've started doing this thing where I pull up the, soundtrack and apple music has like the complete recording so there's like 40 something tracks to each movie and i'll put the music on and i'll read the book while the music is playing in the background i'll put in my airpods i'll cancel out the noise 
and I'll just sit there and read every morning. And it's a really fun experience for me. Um, also, speaking of not knowing anything about sound, and please don't get mad at me, Connor. You know I realized I've been to. listening. <laughs> I realized I've been listening to all of my music in mono audio. You and idiot. The thing about <laughs> the thing the thing about these AirPods, right, is there's like spatial audio and there's like these cool features that come with them. And that's like the whole point of having these AirPod Pros. So my brother texted me yesterday. He had just also figured out he'd been listening in mono audio. And it has changed my world. It, like in the car, it's way different. It just listen. And like there's a cool feature where you can turn your head with the AirPods and like the music moves like you're in the room with the recording happening. Uh, and so I've, I've had these AirPods for like two months now and I just now figured out this feature. So yeah, been listening to mono audio and I'm so ashamed of it, <laughs> but at least I'm like seeing these songs in a new way. That's really, really nice. At least, you know what mono is. I will give you that. Um, and <laughs> stereo, it is very good. Although the one issue with mono and listening in stereo is if one headphone dies, you lose half the song or half the music, um, which is unfortunate. But what I was wanting to ask you before we get to Drew and his potentially unbelievable thrift store find uh, is for the people who don't know what American marching band tournament or competition or whatever that is, is for, you know, people who don't live in the U.S., cough, cough me, um, give us a breakdown on what marching stuff is so uh typically you know there's marching bands uh, mostly associated with friday night football games right high school um and they that is a thing and all the bands do it they're there to support the football team but part of that is throughout the season they will uh, learn a new show every single year in high school it's usually about seven to eight minutes of music and marching and for example, the theme this year with the show that I'm teaching is about video games. It's called Game On. So like each movement of music is called like level one, level two, blah, blah, blah. And there's like poses that the, the, the students are doing that are like video game related. And there's some uh, video game related music. Um, and so each year you learn a new production. You spend the whole fall learning it. You start in the summer with band camp and you learn the technique of being in marching band and you start working on the show. You rehearse it throughout the year. The Friday night football games at halftime, they perform the show. It's a good opportunity to get it in front of a crowd, even though the crowd doesn't necessarily understand what it is. Now, when you go to the competitions, those are all band kids and band parents and you get judged. And typically the competitions are set up by class based on band size and you compete with other schools that are in the same class and have a similar size of band. And uh, you get judged. And based on that judging, you come home with some awards. And uh, that's the gist of it. So this past Saturday, I went up to Blue Ridge in Georgia, which is in the mountains. And it was a really pretty um, um, background for the stadium that we were at. And uh, you go on, you perform your show, you get your feedback and uh, get to watch other bands as well. And then... Like I said, end of the night, you get your awards, you get rewarded for your performance, your hard work, all that good stuff. But uh, just just as someone who's in the activity for so long, one of the best things is just performing it. The crowd reactions are always the best. So that's uh, that's the gist of American Marching Band for you. All right. Now everybody knows what the American Marching Band is. Let's go to Drew, who doesn't do American Marching Band because nope. 99.9% of the world doesn't. Um, <laughs> What was your big find this week? 
my big it was a thrift store find um it was potentially a 2000 when did they announce the team josh was it 2015 april 2015 2014 i think it was 2014 also i don't think we have to say potential anymore that that's the thing is that the real one so i found an announcement scarf from when atlanta united was first announced in 2014 I found it for $3 at my local America's Thrift. And I'm trying to find the val, like how much I could find one on eBay for, just to get like a idea of how much this thing could potentially cost. Uh, but alas, I'm not finding one. But I found that. Have you tried Kijiji? Store. I'm sorry, what did you just say? Kijiji. Gazuntite. You don't know what Kijiji? Do you not, not have a Kijiji? Chance. You probably nope. do or don't use it. What's it? Is it for oh. like finding the value of stuff? No, it's, it's like thing. another version of eBay. Huh. It's like it's a, a Canadian version of eBay. No, we have eBay too. Shut up. Oh. Uh, <laughs> there's Kijiji too. Okay, interesting. I didn't know you didn't have Kijiji. Huh. But, okay, continue. Yes. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, hopefully that is a real thing. I don't really know what else to say about that it's cool i'm kind of scared to wear it at games because i don't want because yeah i had a fun thrift store day i went so like i've said before i've started playing golfing uh, i've started to golf i've started playing, playing golfing. golfing wow that was a bad sentence <laughs> that's um, a new one i started golfing a little bit and i found a driver in a set full of just like nonsense clubs so that was cool i got had to get it regripped, which I tried to regrip it myself, which I don't know if either of you guys have tried to regrip a golf club, but the way I did it was the worst thing in the world. Like I said last week, I cut my thumb, um, but I got it regripped, so I was good. I went driving today. I'm still really bad at golf, um, so that was a lot of fun. Georgia football is number one in the country. That's just wild. Another big home game on Saturday, so my world is kind of just revolving around that football team, but after that, we get an off week thankfully so after saturday life gets a little bit better midterms are behind me hardest part i hope is done of the semester shouldn't be too bad graduate in a little over two months from today as we're recording this on october 14th december 17th is the magical day so almost there very close to christmas yeah. I think that's when the new Spider-Man movie comes out too, so you better go celebrate. Oh, sweet. I'm going to miss graduation and watch the new Spider-Man movies. <laughs> um, but yes, almost there, almost done. So that's really exciting. But it's also really exciting that happened this past week for all three of us. World Cup qualifying happened, and it actually went pretty well for us. Not every day you get to say that. Usually one of our teams usually screws it up. Someone well, came okay. really close. Someone came really close to screwing it up. Well, I would say one of you did screw it up. Kinda. I see. Okay. Okay. I'm very. I'm looking very narrow view here. Um, yeah, one of our teams kind of screwed it up. They did screw it up. Not as bad as they could have screwed of? it up. I don't think there's a kind of. It could have been worse. You lost is what I'm to trying Panama. to Panama. And we almost lost Costa Rica. It could have been worse. Yes, you almost lost Costa Rica, who lost the second best player in Concacaf, Kalar Navas, to injury. I don't want to deal with this again. <laughs> Thankfully, their no, striker. No, I agree with him. Are you coming around? Is Alfonso Davies yeah, the best player? Did you in not see the doc? Yes, Alfonso. We'll get to that in a minute, but I have finally changed my mind. Alfonso Davies is the best player in Concacaf. 
Well, as that bomb drops. Second, Breck Shea. Now we're talking, but the United Maybe States... Maybe second best left back in CONCACAF. Uh, no, he's the best left back. He's the best back. Alfonso Davies is a left back. Yeah, but he's the best player. <laughs> well, I'm going to put him in left wing for my CONCACAF best 11. Breck Shea is in left back. Okay. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I guess. But... Yes, like Connor mentioned, and we talked about the United States, uh, currently second in the table ending this window with 11 points. They are 3-2-1. They beat Jamaica to start this window 2-0. Lost to Panama, like we talked about, 1-0, and then had to come back and beat Costa Rica 2-1 after Costa Rica got a lead in the second minute, first or second minute, first minute. Oh, boy, something like that. So that was really rough. But nonetheless, the United States is second, which I think a lot of people maybe expected. Josh, if not knowing the results and how wildly close the United States came to losing to Costa Rica, if I had told you that at the end of this window, the United States would be second in the table, which would clinch World Cup qualification if it ended today. Obviously, it does not end today. Would you be satisfied with second place right now? Yeah, and I mean, to be quite honest with you, even with the results, I'm feeling pretty satisfied. Was it an awful game in Panama? Yeah, absolutely. It was terrible. But to be quite honest with you, the thing I'm most... The the thing that I look at that keeps my perspective in check is the fact that they beat Costa Rica 2-1 at home. Because last time they played Costa Rica at home for World Cup qualifying, it didn't go that way. If I remember correctly, the U.S. lost 4-0, maybe 4-1, but definitely conceded four goals to Costa Rica at home. In the U.S., that is that's garbage. That's just straight garbage. So for them to, like, yeah, the, con- the, con- the concession of the goal at the beginning was flat-out embarrassing, led me to tweet out that there's no way the U.S. qualifies world- for the World Cup, which I don't fully disagree with, even though they ended up coming back to win. But the fact that they were able to... I can't get my hopes up, Connor. Don't, don't shake your head like that. You just, I've been you, hurt It's already. not the take. It's the fact that there are so many times where you just tweet something out <laughs> and immediately very reactionary, like the world is ending. <laughs> like my cookout tweet last night? <laughs> yeah, like your cookout tweet last night, which was just way too TMI. Connor, do you... Way too TMI. You guys have cookout, right? Like, you know what's no, going on. Oh, my goodness. It's a, south, it's a southeast wow. thing, Drew. That's sad. It's Georgia. Really Georgia only got cookout, like, a couple years ago, like, when I was in college, just when the first ones started popping up. But but we digress. So, like, 10 years we'll ago? Haha, <laughs> it wasn't that long. Jesus. I graduated <laughs> three years ago, Connor. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm not old. All right, I'm not old. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You you are old. And also, Drew, we only just got Denny's. Like, barely have Denny's. Oh, that's not so, anything to be happy that's about. Terrible. Denny's is the worst. <laughs> okay. All right. We're let's not get into that debate. I think Denny's is okay. Oh boy, you don't well, know. Hold wow, on. That's sad. I, I'm so sorry I bet. for you. Hold on, hold on. First of all, he doesn't have Waffle House to compare it to. Yeah, Second of all, I'm so sorry. I would venture to guess that Canadian Denny's is better than American Denny's. No, I actually, I, I've only had, I've had, Can- actually, I did have Canadian Denny's once. I think any Denny's is fine. It's just pancakes. <laughs> Bruh. Have you been to IHOP? Yeah, Drew, what are you doing? Canadian McDonald's is 10 times better than American McDonald's. 
When did you have Canadian McDonald's? My friends in Vancouver. That's why I'm a Vancouver fan. We've talked about this. Oh, right. Because they right, have poutine. Right. Every... That's awesome. Oh, man. Do they? At the McDonald's I went to on UBC's campus, I got like Big Mac and poutine like every night. That is disgusting. It's like, terrible really for you. Disgusting. But it was so good. <laughs> okay. So I, anyway, um, backing God, up to... I feel <laughs> physically <laughs> ill. This... So did oh I. God. So did I. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Well, would I Let's do it again? Absolutely. The... Oh my god. Let's go from one thing that makes me sick to another thing that makes me sick, or should make you two sick, was the U.S. losing to Panama. I don't want to talk about the game yet. I want to talk about the antics at the end, because I found that hysterical. So I actually didn't get to watch the game. I was how I look, I told you we had auditions all day. Uh, they didn't end till six. And so the game was kicking off and I decided to spend time with a friend that I hadn't gotten to catch up with in a while. So I went and got margaritas and you know what? That was the right decision because if I was watching the Panama <laughs> game instead, I would have gouged my own eyes out. And instead I was drinking Margs and it was great. Where'd you get margaritas? Chips and queso. We just went to Tin Lizzie's, but what margaritas? Either way, it was just their regular. Well, first it was their uh, their house margaritas, but then they the bartender was like, "Hey, I have this coconut margarita. Uh, we needed it for a picture, but now we can just give it away. Do you guys want it?" It's like, "Yes, absolutely." So I got a free <laughs> margarita on top of the nice. other two I drank. So it was fantastic. Anyway, I did hear about it. I I. Re- Assume you're referring to the throwing extra balls onto the pitch, <laughs> right? Which, okay, so side side note about that. Every time I ever play pickup with my music friends, I always suggest we play with two balls. Every time. I always vouch for it. And they all look at me like I'm an idiot and they never want to try it. So the fact that... Yeah, there's a reason, Josh. Pan- <laughs> there's a reason. The fact- just think about how awesome those tactics would be. I mean, you're so no, busy defending we, and attacking simultaneously. Oh, it'd be so cool. That's like just too asking many for going a on? concussion. That is just asking for a concussion. Well, now hold on a second. First of all, we're mostly musicians. Second of all, we don't go that hard, right? No <laughs> one's no one's in danger of getting okay, concussion. See, look, Drew is intrigued. Drew is intrigued because he understands his mind has been opened to the possibility of two balls. Would there be more scoring or less scoring? How would that change the Good game? Good question. More I don't scoring. know. I haven't gotten a chance to try it out yet because my friends won't let me. Yes, for good reason. Anyway, so it looks like the Panama Ball Boys were trying to live out my dream. And they were trying to get some extra balls onto the pitch. <laughs> and it didn't work out. <laughs> that was that was good. That was good. I I like that. But yes, the Panama Ball Boys throwing balls onto the field. Josh clearly didn't hate it. I figured both of you would be apocalyptically mad right now. Now, again, again, because I didn't watch the game, which I stand by my decision not to. I'm not upset. Like, I'm not like I can't. There's no tangible thing for me to look at and be like, I hate that that game happened. That being said, I had a friend text me that the game was over and that we lost or like I saw the score after the fact. And I was like, what? What? Like, I was so, so shocked. But then, of course, going on to Twitter and reading, you know, what was happening throughout the game, I guess I can't be surprised. It seemed like, you know, it seemed like Greg Berhalter really overthought his squad selection for the game. But also at the same time, and we've touched on it a little bit, 
it's still a young team that hasn't done this yet. They haven't played a road game in Panama yet. That was their first time. And it's going to be their only time that they do that until four years from now. And then some of them may do it a third time and they may not. So we need to, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at it with some of that perspective. And yes, they've already played a couple road games, right? They played on the road to El Salvador and they played on the road to Honduras, but Panama is a pretty quality team. I mean, there's a reason why they are fourth. They're fourth and they're really not out of it. They're only two points behind Canada. So they're not the, they're not the worst team is what I'm saying. You know, if it was, if it was a 1-0 loss on the road to Jamaica or if it was a 1-0 loss on the road to El Salvador, Honduras or any of the one of the lower teams, I mean, then we're like serious, serious issues. Now, should the U.S. have at least gotten a result? Yes. Is it acceptable that they lost? Not one bit, but I'm not willing to freak out just yet, although I still am not feeling good about them making the World Cup the way some other things have transpired. But that's beside the point. Drew... I've gone on for long enough. I know you didn't watch the game either, but what what is your take on that loss? Because that was, you know, all things considered, that was really the only awful thing that happened for the U.S. in this window. Um, so what are you thinking about that game more specifically? And and I'll ask you the same question you asked me. Not knowing how the results happened, how are you feeling about the team being second in the table with 11 points, all that stuff? Yeah, I was not able to watch it because I just remembered I was currently – hopping from restaurant to restaurant Athens trying to find a place with the game on and as close as I could get was watching like Vanderbilt and Pepperdine women's soccer I kept asking the people like, hey can you turn the soccer game on they're like yeah what channel is it on I was like I think it's like Paramount Plus or something and they turned it on to Vandy Pepperdine and I was like you know what that's fine we'll we'll watch our game here <laughs> so that's why I didn't get to watch it it's kind of a bummer but yeah as far as the losing to Panama first off I thought it was really cool that Anibal Godoy got the goal a Nashville player so cool seeing MLS kind of doing well even though to the dismay of the United States so that was awesome but yeah like you said that's kind of the only that really is the only thing that went wrong for the United States in this window uh, surrounded by two wins and I think when you compare it to last window right a draw to El Salvador a draw to Canada in Nashville and they kind of bounce back and beat Honduras 4-1. So having two wins in this window compared to last window is very good, very acceptable. So being in second, not terrible. I think it's a position most people expected right now. However, it is frustrating because that next game is in a little less than a month will be against Mexico, and that is who is currently in first three points ahead of the U.S., and they would be nice to be able to jump them with a result in this game. Now, they can still jump Mexico if they were to kind of beat them, I think. So they have, there are two goals behind a goal differential. So if the United States beats Mexico by more than two goals, then they would bounce over to first place. But that's just a lot to ask for, to ask the United States to beat Mexico by more than two goals, especially when they just lost to Panama. They can't beat Canada or El Salvador, apparently. So... Being in second, not the worst thing in the world, but you would like to potentially say this match against Mexico could put the U.S. in first place in CONCACAF World Cup qualification. I'm either in second now, which is good enough. Uh, Canada's in third. Like you said, Panama's in fourth with eight points, so Panama's still for sure not out of it. So I'm not upset that they are in second place, but I would have liked to get a couple more points here and there. And it's frustrating because... 
you know that they could have beaten Canada, they could have beaten El Salvador, they could have beaten Panama, and they'd be sitting pretty in first place. So that's kind of disappointing. But second place overall could be worse, could be better. They're in World Cup qualification spot right now. So I'm not too upset about it, but it could be much, much better. All right, I need to jump in now and say, both of you had incorrect takes. First of all, Panama is not a good team. Um, they had to prove that on Wednesday night. They're one, they're one game away from taking over Canada. It's not like they're in the last. They're literally... They're not a good team. They're not a good they're team. They're in fourth. They're not a good team. They're two points behind Canada. If they're not a good team, <laughs> then Canada's care. not they're phenomenal. Not they're, not a, they're not a good team. You're relying on the name. No, I'm not. They're not a good team. Did you watch the Canada game? No. Canada what? ran them into the ground. Canada's a it good team. A yeah, in Canada. Yeah, it was a murder. Okay, look, Connor, you're forgetting the most important point here. Canada is the second best team in qualifying right now behind Mexico, okay? I still don't think Panama is a good team. Period. I'm not saying they're a good team. I'm just saying the U.S. is not that good. <laughs> That's the difference here. Okay, I agree with that. I don't think the U.S. are very good. Uh, also, Drew's take of the U.S. could have very easily beaten Canada. They drew. What are you smoking? They were literally yes, one Canada goal away. dominated. I don't He's care not about wrong, domination. The U.S. could have won. Canada could have had, like, four goals. Could have, should have, would have. You and scored that's a, one. That's a running theme with Canada, by the way. They also could have beat Mexico, but they didn't do that either. Yes, but again, they're both away games. One of which was at the Azteca. Yeah, the U.S. has gone down there and done the same thing. What's your point? What's my point? It's at altitude. The U.S. Yeah. know what they got to win. Most of those Canadian players have already done CCL at altitude. What's new? Okay. <laughs> okay. I know you're just trying to piss me off. Uh, but yes, and it's working. Yes, it is ver- working very <laughs> well. Um, I think Canada... We'll get to this question at the end, but I think Canada is the best team in CONCACAF right now. Um, yeah. In terms of the U.S. losing to Panama, that's a disgrace and something you should be incredibly embarrassed about. Uh, I think the Costa Rica game should terrify you because... No, no, no. Just because they conceded in one minute, they played the other 89 minutes near flawlessly. Yes, I know there probably should have been a penalty on the Chris Richards tackle or whatever, but the U.S. still played Costa Rica off the field. It's just a really stupid start. Okay. Because they're young and inexperienced. It's the youngest team the U.S. has ever fielded in a World Cup qualifier, ever. They don't know what they're doing. They're children. But that's the theme. That's the theme with the U.S. That's, their, that's who they are. That is... Yes, that is exactly who they are. They're children trying yes. to figure it out on the fly. Okay. I think we're giving a bit too much credence to veteran experience being incredibly paramount. I think it is important. I think you need those veterans. I think you're giving it a bit too much legs. Okay, think- okay, so side note, what name one US player who has like been through it? at a club level or an international level that has prepared them for World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF? Name Paul, one player. Paul Ariola. No. Incorrect. Josh Brooks. Okay, first of all, all right, no, no, let me back up. Let me back up. One, I don't think he qualifies as someone that's been through it because, like, what, like, intense, pressure-filled thing has he, like, endured as a player? Second of all, he sucks. Okay, that's mean. Paul Ariola <laughs> does not suck. I take it back. <laughs> but as, as far as, like, talented, as far as talented players go in the U.S., he is not 
in the starting 11. He's not, he's barely on the game. The only reason he's in the game day roster is because Greg trusts him and because he is one of the older players. So that's a bad example. Give me another example, Connor. John Give me another example of a talented John player. Brooks John play. Brooks John Brooks has never done Champions League until this year. And the one year he's finally started doing Champions League, he's been absolutely terrible. And whenever he's come over to play for the U.S. and World Cup qualifiers, he's been injured most of the time. So he's yes. also not okay, a good example. No, 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 no. Just because I don't think veteran leadership, you don't need it on the field. You just need it in the locker room. I think. Okay, that, and guess what the U.S. doesn't have? The him, oldest player was Zach Steffen. No, they don't. They he John wasn't Brooks. with them this week. He's not with them this weekend. And you know what? He's sucking right now, and I don't want him in the U.S. Okay, camp. fine. Jesse Zardes. What has he been through that's prepared him for CONCACAF World Scoring Cup? Scoring with his face that one time. He just, went, <laughs> he just went through, literally less than a year ago, MLS playoffs. Is Jossie Zardes one of the most talented strikers on the U.S. men's national team? No, but he's that presence in the locker room. No, look, I, 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 we don't know for sure if he's that guy, okay? We okay, don't. Okay, no one, about, okay, no, no. Christian rolled on. These these are you keep picking these mediocre players and don't yes, get me wrong I love Jossie's artist I love Christian Roldan no yes no, it's okay look at this Canada team of the good players Jonathan Osorio Steven Vittoria you can maybe include Milan Borian what about Atiba Hutchinson he wasn't with them this window because he was injured neither was Kyle Aaron and yet look at what they just did. The U.S. shouldn't be having that issue because they have, and you're going to use this over me for the rest of my entire life, they have more talent than Canada. And you know what? I actually disagree with you right now. I actually disagree with you right now. I honestly do. And you know what? Here's why. I know you're, you're looking at me like that. People, <laughs> people want to keep equating like these players being in Europe and on Champions League squads to like being good players. That's not the case. Weston McKinney was not good last night. And he is the most experienced European player on that squad that played in the game last night. As an example, he was sloppy and we got freaking lucky that his horrible turnovers somehow led to goals. We got lucky that that happened. And you got Serginho Dest, who can't even hold down a starting position in Barcelona, who was lucky enough to be going up against FC Cincinnati's Ronald Matarita, which, by the way, there's only one MLS team that's been eliminated from playoff contention so far, and it's freaking FC Cincinnati. So, of course, Serginho Dest, who, by the way, got lucky with that left-footed strike because that's not his strong foot, and I've even hit a goal like that before because sometimes it just happens, all right? Serginho Dest is not that good. He's a defensive liability. Man, this sucks. The U.S. team is not. They're just not. <laughs> I feel like a crazy person right now. I am being a little crazy. Look, man, I, it's just the difference between Canada and the U.S., and I'm, I'm just going to say it, it's Alfonso Davies, man. He makes that team different. The way he can just make an individual play, and that is what the U.S. does not have. They don't have it with anybody. People want to talk about how good Christian Pulisic is and where he's been. And you know what? Dude is not around enough. He doesn't play enough soccer. What? We need to get into that tweet. Did you not see it? Which tweet? Uh, there was a tweet where a guy said, Christian Pulisic is more athletic than Alfonso Davies. Oh, no. Okay, that's incorrect. And I don't, I'm glad I didn't see it because it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Be Alfonso Davies is the most athletic. 
most athletic player in CONCACAF, right? Alphonse, okay, like, not I, even best player aside. I just want to say, in the goal he scored, he was running at 37.1 kilometers an hour. Andre de Grasse, I don't know what that means. I'll do uh, it, Josh. Andre de Grasse, <laughs> when he runs his 100, I guess, or 200, his top speed, 42 kilometers an hour. He is almost yes, running yeah. at an Olympic-level pace on cleats on a field. Yeah, I know. And that's my point. Like Alfonso Davies is such a game changer changer for the Canadian national team. And they're not they're not scrubs, you know? Like, and this was my point in the last qualifying window, right? The MLS players, they know how to get it done in situations like this. The problem with the US men's national team is not the MLS players, it's the younger, inexperienced European players, like Serginho Des, like Timothy Weah. And I know that those aren't the best examples because those are the guys that scored last night, which by the way. That goal's not going in if Kaylor Navas is playing goalkeeper. Like, let's be honest. That goal's not going in if Navas is back there. So I'm not, I know those aren't the best examples, but these are still guys that aren't getting consistent minutes across the board. You look at Canada's national team, all those dudes are important players for their teams, are they not? Tejan Buchanan, no? No, okay. Jonathan David, yes. Steven Eustachio, yes. Um, Tejan Buchanan, you can yes. argue it. He's one of the most important. He's one of the most important players for the Revs. Okay, they have Gustavo Bo, Buxa, yeah, and Buxa, Buxa, this Yes, not- but look at who's scoring all the time. Yes, it's I, know, I know. That's why I, I include him. I'd say he's. I don't. I think in, when I define important, I define them as a top two player on their team. Okay. All right. So scratch that. Let me let me rephrase it. How about players that are consistent starters for their team? Okay. Fine. Like, um, like locked-in starters for their teams. It's all the Canadian team players, no, isn't it? No. Look at Liam Miller. Look at D- uh, David Watherspoon. Steven Vittoria. I have no idea if he starts or not. Who knows? Kamal Miller. Meh. What? He's, not, he's, a pretty, he's a routine starter for Montreal. Okay, fine. Routine starter, but he's not anything more than that. Um, but, but that's my point, though. These guys are getting consistent minutes all the time, and the U.S. does not have that because all these dudes decided they want to go to big clubs, and because they're still so young, they have to grow into these, these positions. That's why it's not surprising that Brendan Aronson, who is a locked-in starter for that Salzburg team, and why Tyler Adams, who is, when healthy, a locked-in starter for that Leipzig team, that's why those guys are so much better than Serginho Dest, than Timothy Weah, than, I know he wasn't in camp this time, but Josh Sargent. Um, I mean, and the list goes on and on. Even Zach Steffen, the dude, like, awful start to the game, right? And that is a reason why Matt Turner should be the starter all the time at this point, because Turner is the one who's playing every single week. He's not riding the bench. I don't care if Zach Steffen is learning for Pep Guardiola. What does it matter if he doesn't get to practice any of it? What does it matter if he doesn't get to use it in real game-like situations? Like, it doesn't make any sense. So, and that's a reason why Ricardo Pepe has already been more successful than Josh Sargent and even Josh Zardes because Zardes is not doing great this year and has been injured as well and he hasn't been playing as consistent as he normally is. There's a reason why Pepe is already outperforming all those dudes in the center forward spot. It's because he's starting for Dallas every week because he gets those minutes every single week. And so, you know, we can debate about the experience all we want and I, I think it's a perfectly valid point for, like I said, the youngest men's world cup qualifying squad of all time for the u.s making that start last night because that's what they looked like in the first minute of the game i mean for god's sake serginio dest kept everyone on side because he wasn't even on the field he was out of touch into touch sorry is the correct term he was 
He wasn't on the field. He kept everybody onside on that first goal. That is ridiculously embarrassing. And you got Zach Steffen running out using his head like he's never played goalkeeper in his freaking life. And it's because these dudes aren't playing regularly. So I feel like that's Canada's advantage in having a player like Alfonso Davies. The U.S. doesn't have that dude that can carry the team. It's not Christian Pulisic yet. It's, and, and Tyler Adams is certainly important, but he's not going to make a game-changing play on his own like that due to the nature of where he is in the field and due to his physical limitations, right? Because if it's Alfonso Davies and he's playing left back, he can run all the way down the field and make a play. Tyler Adams is not the... No one is making that play, though, because they're not Alfonso Davies. But the U.S. doesn't have someone like that. So, yeah, I do think it's valid that they're young and inexperienced because it's killing them right now in these kinds of games. You just mentioned Alfonso Davies. We've been talking about him, you and I, as though he's the best player in CONCACAF. I don't think Drew agrees. I think he is. Oh, too. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It was me. It was always me that was fighting. Former you Vancouver Whitecap Alfonso Davies. Okay, so we're all in agreement that it is no longer Kaylor Navas, even though he shouldn't count because he's a goalkeeper. See uh, that that that's where the you should have stopped the sentence right before that, right? Because he's a goalkeeper. That's where goalkeepers are super important. Why do you think Costa yes, Rica's even but made I it this far with anything? Own, they should be their own distinction. That's that is dumb. That's a bad take. That is not dumb. Why can one player on the field use their hands and nobody else can? Because they're their own position. They're their own thing. We don't have, like, a left-back coach. We have a goalkeeper coach and a main coach. Look, I can tell you that having a goalkeeper that's not very good makes a big difference. Just look yes, at the U.S. Yes, I know. I'm, again, I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing the fact that players and goalkeepers shouldn't be considered the same things because goalkeepers are so much more different and so much more important. So, so do you count this in all sports? Can pitchers yes. be the best player in baseball? Uh, yes, because I think Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball. And he okay, just Shohei just, okay. But the things he does are not as a pitcher. It's when he's hitting mammoth home runs no, as a batter. No, he does both. He does both. He does both. And I think there's a best pitcher in baseball and there's a best position player in baseball. I think there's an important distinction because there's so much of a, such a different influence on the game. Yes, it's called the Cy Young Award and the MVP Award. Exactly. And when does a pitcher win the MVP? I don't know. Probably if will to. happen this year with Shohei Otani. Get the Cy Young okay, Award. <laughs> but again, he's batting too, right? That's what I'm. That's my Clay point. Clay Kershaw won the MVP. Either way, what? Whatever. This is <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> Who's going to win the AL MVP? <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero. No, it'll be Shohei Otani. Um, Let's dive into Canada, though, because we've been spending a lot of time on the U.S., and we're 42 minutes in. (laughs) (laughs) That was very heated. I love that. That's the best type of podcast content, even though Drew's not involved. Um, I got it it all recorded this time, by the way. Good, good. Finally. Um, (laughs) How are you guys feeling about Canada? Obviously, Drew, you're not Drew. Josh, you're very high on them. Uh, You have them being the second best team in CONCACAF, but we'll debate that. Drew, what do you think of Canada? I think when Josh says second best team in CONCACAF, that is very power rankings-y. Because right now, I would say second best team in CONCACAF, yeah. Better than the U.S., better than Panama, Costa Rica, Jamaica, not even in the conversation. But I think the job now for Canada is to do this consistently. Because we're talking about this window, like, oh my gosh, they've beaten every team by 50. They only have two wins. This 4-1 win, and I forgot. They beat El Salvador. What was their other win? Yeah, it was El Salvador. Panama. And, well, was it, it was, yeah, El Salvador, Pan, Panama. Keep in mind, they've only played two home games. 
Were those both the wins? Uh, I yes. think so, yeah. Okay, yes. so that's a good sign. So right now, second best team, no question about it, very close to Mexico, which is really exciting that it's Canada and Mexico now, I think, in this conversation. Um, it's kind of annoying for a U.S. fan because it kind of seems like this rivalry might actually become a thing where there for a while it was like Canada's just irrelevant. But when I think I say Canada is the second best team in CONCACAF, that is very up and downy. Like in the next window, it could be a struggle window. The U.S. could just go off. Canada could tank, vice versa. Or Canada could use this to kind of build themselves up into more a strong hold of that second place spot. I think I said last time when we talked about the window that I needed Canada to do more of this to prove that they were the second best team in CONCACAF. I needed them to be a team like Panama, pretty single-handedly 4-1. I needed them to consistently go to the U.S., and get a draw. They did that. They've done that. So I have no problem saying the second best team in CONCACAF. However, the challenge now is to make that more of a mainstay and to consistently be in this top three because now this feels like the first time it's pretty set in stone that they are absolutely in the top three when we have this conversation ahead of the U.S. So now the mission, I think, is to do this consistently across windows and eventually get to 2022 because... I'm not sure. I mean, they're two points ahead of a team. They just beat 4-1. So I have no problem saying they're second-best team in CONCACAF. They just got to keep it going. Here's where I jump in and start the debate. I think, actually, no, we won't get there yet. I think we wait a little bit. I think we should discuss the games a bit first. First game, most recent, or over the weekend, they drew to Jamaica. Disappointing performance. I don't know if you saw the field. The field was an abomination. Um, it was like they were playing on a swamp. It was abysmal. Ground was coming up every time somebody took a step. It was unbelievable, incredibly stupid. Um, but a draw there is very disappointing. I was frustrated, but it's a point, and it's CONCACAF. Anytime that happens, I think it's good. You get a point. The other game, I believe, was Mexico. I'd argue that Canada outplayed Mexico in the Azteca. And I think that's unbelievable. And we'll go into my next point uh, after the Panama game, which was amazing. I thought Canada in the first half, they outplayed them. Obviously, giving up that early goal wasn't good. Uh, That was not a good sign. But the way they rebounded, very, very impressive. Uh, The scuffle was quite funny. How nobody got a booking out of the scuffle mind-blowing uh second half i thought canada played brilliantly i thought alfonso davies was incredible i thought stevie dustecchio was good i thought osorio was good when uh, until he got taken off um i thought david getting a goal was huge i thought tajin buchanan was good i thought the entire team played well and i think that's a huge positive uh for canada going forward what i do want to discuss quickly before we dive into the debate the incident late in the second half involving Richie Larea and a Panama player. I don't know. Did either of you see this? Negative. No. Canada got very mad, like very, very mad. Um, borderline another fight uh, because we didn't really know initially what had happened. According to Gareth Wheeler, uh, who posted a video and you can really see anything, but apparently one of the Panama players spit 
at Richie Larea. If that's true, that should be a multi—that should be a suspension. Uh, spinning at somebody in the middle of a global pandemic is disgusting. Spinning at somebody, period, is disgusting. Never mind in a global pandemic. So, I think the way that they handled themselves, the way that they were able to keep their com- relatively keep their composure, apart from Rishi wanting to tear the guy's throat out, which I guess kind of understandable. Um, I thought the way that they kept themselves composed, very impressive. I thought the performance in general was very impressive. The most impressive thing of last night, though, as of recording this, that run by Alfonso Davies to keep that ball in play because it was in play, that was absurd. I don't think there's any other way to describe it. Did either of you see that goal? I assume you did. I feel like it'd be impossible not to have seen it. Yeah, so, I definitely saw it. Did you guys think it was out of play? Uh, whatever replay I saw, it wasn't super clear to me. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal. In soccer, when you think about it, like it takes a lot. Like The whole ball has to be over the line. Um, and it's... I mean, how often does that really happen in terms of it being close over there? It's really not that often. And there's so much leeway when you really think about the like the width of a soccer ball and it crossing that line all the way. So to me, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, and there's an AR over there for a reason. I'm going to trust what's going on, even though it is CONCACAF, but I feel, I feel like it's gotta be obvious enough for that to be a thing. Right. And if anything, I mean, look, if I'm a Panama player and it's that close and like Alfonso Davies embarrasses my team like that, yeah, I'm going to complain about it. I'm going to act like the ball went out because that's the only thing you could do in that situation when your your team gets skinned alive like that. So, whatever. I don't really care that much. I, I think it was in play. I honestly didn't know that was a debate, that it was in play or not. From the angle I saw, it wasn't even a question. I was more focused on, holy crap, how did he do that? But balls get weird out of play. The Portland Timbers 2015 MLS Cup, that call still haunts me to this day when they beat the crew in the final. I thought the ball was out. But nature of the game i yeah from the replay i saw it didn't look like it was questionable but i imagine anytime something like that happens if it's even close you're gonna have people up in arms about it so i think when you look at that goal there are a lot other problems as far as how you just let one guy cook the entire country rather than the ball maybe being out of bounds yeah the panama tv station they have video of the people watching and losing their minds and it is very funny even though i don't understand spanish um, let's get into the debate though, uh, because we do have MLS stuff to talk about, although I don't even know, I don't even want to talk about it to be honest. Uh, but who is the best team in CONCACAF and why is it Canada? It's Mexico. I disagree. Yeah, we know you disagree. Do you, okay. I, I was expecting you to get angry about that. The reason I I've, have, I've already I've already done my ranting and raving for the night, so I won't all right, I won't we go ham on this one. We need a Drew rant at some point, uh, but <laughs> I think Canada is the best team in Concacaf because they outplayed Mexico at the Azteca, and I think Josh is just he wants to kill me, but <laughs> no, I I genuinely think Canada right now is in the best form in Concacaf. Period. Simple as that. I think they outplayed Mexico at the Azteca. I think they outplayed the U.S. in the U.S. 
I think they massively outplayed Panama. They've gotten points in every single game they've played so far. They're the only team to do that. Um, Second place in the standings, having only played a couple away games, or not away games, home games. Away games, that'd be much more worrisome. Uh, Having only played a couple of home games, I think Canada is the best team in CONCACAF. Josh, you think it's Mexico. Drew, do you side with Josh? Yes, because this is the same Canada team that drew Jamaica and drew Honduras. That lost to Mexico in the Gold Cup semifinal. You're right that Mexico, Canada totally outplayed Mexico in the Azteca. But they also drew Jamaica, also drew Honduras. So the Panama game obviously wiped the floor of them. That was easy, clean cut. That was very what the best team at CONCACAF is supposed to do in a game like that. But not much before that, they drew one of the worst teams in the region. If you look at the standings, Jamaica's in sixth. Okay, and okay, but I think we're ignoring important contacts with the Jamaica game. They were missing, missing. They were missing Richie Lorea. They were missing Tajan Buchanan. And they were missing Steven Vittoria. On top of missing Kyle Larin, Atiba Hutchinson, and Milan Borean. Yeah. That's six starters. That's true. So, but then what about, what do you say about the Honduras game? Another draw. Who I think Honduras is literally that, yeah. last place in CONCACAF, and they drew Honduras. I'd agree. That was a bad performance. I think for that kind of, that puts it ahead of me. That's where Mexico get to that. You look at Mexico's results, and there's one game that really looks like, oh, no, that wasn't. Well, Mexico did draw Panama. So there's about two games in a window that Mexico haven't been themselves. Right? They beat Jamaica, they beat Costa Rica, drew Panama, drew Canada, killed Honduras, um, and beat El Salvador, and are getting ready to play. Yeah, so that rolled out their window. So I still think it's Mexico just because Mexico hasn't had a kind of – their hiccup games haven't been too bad, and they've beaten teams they've needed to beat. But like you said, the home game thing with Canada, it's very hypothetical – if Canada is to continue the stretch of when they are at home, they win, that's a good sign. But right now we have to say they've played two games at home and they won. That's a good sign for things to come. Will it 100% full through? We're not sure about it. So for that reason, I still think Mexico is the best team in CONCACAF, and they're currently 14 points, four points ahead of Canada, three points ahead of the U.S. in the standings right now. Also, I stand corrected. They are also undefeated. Uh, I didn't realize Mexico was still undefeated. Um but I was just looking at their games. Like, they drew to Panama. I don't think that's a good result. Well, um, then you could say Canada drew to Honduras. Okay. Every fine. team has their bad results. Every team has their hiccups. They only beat Jamaica two to one. A dub's a dub. They got it done. Okay. Fine. I stand by my Canada take, but. Uh, the crazy thing is, though, you're not that far away. If you had said this three months ago, I said, Connor, get off the podcast. But that's <laughs> not a crazy take, which is nuts to think about. So here's why Canada is not the best team in CONCACAF. Although, again, I think they're second, and I think they're close. Connor, you'll agree with me as I say this, but they outplayed the U.S. in the U.S., and they outplayed Mexico in Mexico, correct? Yes. And yet they only came away with a single point from each of those games. They only came away with draws in those games. And especially watching both of those games, because I did get to watch most of the Mexico game last week, 
Canada should have won. They should have won both those games, we're being honest, but they didn't. And that's why they're not the best. Because if Mexico was dominating teams like that, which they're not right now, let's be clear, because Mexico does not look like themselves. They're very shaky for whatever reason. And I don't expect that to last very long, by the way. I do think they'll turn a corner at some point or, uh, or Tata's fired, honestly. But if, if, you know, let's think about it. If it's Mexico and Canada's place where they're just flat out dominating these teams on the road, Mexico finishes those chances. They get those results. They turn those kinds of performances into wins. And that's why I think Canada is not quite the best team yet. Now, if they can start finishing and putting away some of those golden chances that they get, then this is an entirely different conversation we're having. And frankly, you know, they it would look different in terms of their points and all those sorts of things. So I just don't think, and, and that's okay because Canada is a still relatively young team. Their best players are their youngest players right now. They are not super experienced yet. And that's kind of similar to why the U.S. has been struggling so much, I think. And it's going to change. Uh, at, first of all, I think Canada is going to qualify for the World Cup. And I think it's going to be a much different team a year from now as they're getting ready and getting prepared for Qatar. Because they're going to have a whole year of experience between now and then. And those younger guys are going to be that much older. They're going to have that many more Champions League games under their belt. They're going to have that much more starting time under their belt for teams like Club Bruges and Lille and Bayern Munich. Because Jonathan David, all I kept seeing was he's missing chances left and right. And that's, a, that's an age thing. That's an inexperienced thing. He's not bad. He's a great striker. And he, we've seen what he can do on a club level. So it's just, it's just a matter of time, honestly. Therefore, right now, they're not the best team in CONCACAF. But yes, they're extremely close. They're just a couple finished chances away from being the best team in CONCACAF. Okay, I have one follow-up question. Oh, actually, Drew, you go ahead. Which gap is closer, Canada, Mexico, or U.S. and Canada right now? Canada, Mexico. Again, Mexico's not playing good right now. They're not. They're not their normal selves, and they've looked so inconsistent and shaky. And Mexico fans will like 100% agree with that sentiment. Therefore, I think Canada's the gap between Canada and Mexico is much closer than the gap from Canada to the U.S. All right, my question before we take a quick ad break. Qatar 2022. Which team in CONCACAF goes the farthest? That's hard. Oh, man, this is Gotta a, figure this out is groups a, and stuff. This is a fool's question right here. Yes, it is. Trick question. None of the CONCACAF teams make it out of the round of 16. Okay, that's dumb. Is it dumb? Because when was the last time a CONCACAF team did make it out of the round of 16? Costa Rica, 2012. All right, so it'll have been... Or 2010, uh, 2010. Was it 2010? Okay, so it'll have been 12 years since that happened. Okay. And it was Costa Rica? Two World Cups. Two World Cups. 14, 18, all the way up to 2022, which I'm predicting none of the teams will make it out of the round of 16. It'll have been three World Cups by then. It's a lot. And I might be wrong on that. like two generations of players right there. That was just off the top of my head. I think you're right. Let's... You know, they got there on penalties, too. So, it's, you know, it could have been like a flip of the coin kind of opportunity. I can't remember. They beat Colombia, I want to say. Ahamas Rodriguez, Colombia down in Brazil to get there. So you never know if you go back and replay that scenario over again, if that even happens again. Okay, so Drew says none of them. Or not Drew, Josh. God, sorry, I'm tired. Jo- Drew, who do you see in CONCACAF going the furthest? The U.S. Because Mexico can't get out there on 16. 
I'm just picking the U.S. Again, like Josh said, this is just like a crapshoot question. Like, if you get an easy group, you get paired up with an easy group, get a lucky bounce. Maybe it's like two of the teams are falling around 16, the U.S. gets a lucky break, they'll go to the quarterfinals. But if I had to place a bet right now, which I would not do because that would be horrible, but I wonder what the odds are, I'd bet on the U.S. Not only that, but the, the, the very nature of a knockout tournament is chaotic. So... Even trying to, first of all, we don't even know which three CONCACAF teams are going to make it, right? We have a good idea, but we're still a year away from knowing for sure. So that in and of itself is chaos. And then trying to get, guess a World Cup is also chaos. So, Trick question. The answer is Jamaica. <laughs> that would no, be something. The answer hey, is- if they get their, they get their Euro-based players, they still have a very backloaded home schedule. It's possible they could make a run in this qualifying. Just because they're terrible now doesn't mean they will stay that way. Josh is not wrong, but the correct answer is Canada because Canada are the best country in CONCACAF, and uh, (laughs) they're going to be, as you said, even more experienced come 2022. And they're incredibly quick, incredibly athletic, which I think plays into a tournament-style round of 16 and round robin because... They can just go and go and go constantly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be heartbreaking when Alfonso Davies picks up an injury before the World Cup and can't oh, even play. Oh, it's going to be apocalyptically bad. And just uh, uh, don't even put that into the world, Josh. Don't even put that into the world. <laughs> Too late. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break because we've been talking about the broke up qualifying for over an hour at this point and we need to talk some a tiny bit of mls so we will be right back all right and we are back to talk what little mls happened this past weekend since there we're were only spend four as games. much we're gonna spend as much time on mls as there were mls games this weekend yes so get ready only four games played. We'll give you guys the results real quick, and we'll talk about pretty much the biggest topic to come out of these four games. First, Miami lost to Red Bulls 1-0, uh, meaning Miami is all but eliminated. Did I misspell Shabilko? There is one of those accent marks on one of the letters. Oh, that's that doesn't count. So you were like, I would give it to you, but... To, to correct. What? what do you mean you'll give it to me? <laughs> no one puts the accent marks, okay? It's weird because he's Polish or whatever. Anyway, back to the games. Miami lost one nothing to New York Red Bulls. They're pretty much eliminated. Red Bulls are still in it. How long did it take you to figure out how to do that, Mark Drew? Uh, Just keep I going. Can tell Just you keep how going. He did it. No, he didn't. I'm going to tell you how he did it. He copied copy and, and pasted. pasted it. No, you hold down L, and then it gives you a number on the thing. Okay, watch. I'm going to hold down L. Oh, it isn't actually. I thought it was going to do a bunch of L's. Never mind. All right, so... Red Bulls are still in it, just barely. Miami's pretty much eliminated. Cincinnati lost to Philadelphia Union, who sported a youth-heavy lineup because no one respects Cincinnati, because why should they? Speaking of, Cincinnati officially eliminated. They're the first MLS team to do so and on track for the third straight wooden spoon. Seattle smashed Vancouver Whitecaps in what is technically a Cascadia Cup rivalry game, although we all know it's not. And that was a 4-1 win from Seattle. Um, ending what has been a pretty good run for Vancouver recently. We'll talk about that in a second. And then Colorado also beat up on Minnesota United 3-1. That is another, like the Seattle-Vancouver game, another playoff-centric matchup. 
Um, so the biggest result from this, guys, which is what we're going to spend a little couple minutes on here, Minnesota, with the loss, are still above the playoff line, barely. They're in seventh on 38 points, and then right behind them is Vancouver in eighth on 37 points. We've kind of been talking about these teams a lot lately because they've been hovering right around there along with LAFC, who are still three points back from Vancouver. I think the biggest thing we can take away from this first is that they're all on 28 games played. So they're all caught up to each other in terms of having just six games left in the season. The other big thing, Vancouver and Minnesota play each other in 13 days. They're playing Wednesday night on October 27th in what could be a very, very important game. Just from looking at their schedules real quick, definitely Vancouver that has the tougher schedule. We've got LAFC still to play, Minnesota, Portland, Sporting Kansas City, and Seattle again. Seattle on decision day. So that's going to be rough, especially against their Cascadia counterparts. Whereas Minnesota United, the teams they only really have to worry about, you could argue, are Philadelphia, Sporting Kansas City, could maybe make an argument for the Galaxy and LAFC, but you never know with those two LA teams this year. So again, we spent some time talking about these teams the last couple weeks. Now that they've both lost in kind of embarrassing fashion, honestly, how do we feel about Minnesota and Vancouver Let's just say you had to pick between one of these two teams to make it, assuming the other six teams above the playoff line are going to make it and LAFC is going to miss out on the playoffs. Who are you feeling more confident in, Minnesota or Vancouver? Vancouver. You know, I already finished saying it. Vancouver. Because uh, Brian White and Ryan Gold, that's why. Two guys are on fire. Brian White scored. That's four goals in two games for him. He stays hot. Ryan Gold stays hot. It pushes through. But like you said, that game in two weeks is going to be nuts. Vancouver, Minnesota at home in BC place. We know how hard it is to win in MLS. We especially know how hard it is to win in MLS on weekday games, a little midweek madness. And they play LAFC. Minnesota plays LAFC the weekend before on that Saturday. So because of that, I think it's going to be a six-point swing in favor of the Whitecaps. So I think Vancouver is going to grab that final spot. Connor... Your Vancouver take starting to look a little little better there. Does your Vancouver take pan out, or does Minnesota pull out what's never been done before and lose their first four, first four games of the season and make the playoffs? Which one? Which one's going to be? I got to back myself, so I'm going Vancouver. Uh, I think with the emergence of Brian White somehow turning into like Didier Drogba. Uh, in terms of scoring, of all, like every of all comparisons, and, yeah, I know of all comparisons. Well, goes Latan Ibrahimovic. How's that? That's maybe a better comparison. Uh, slow striker who scores a lot. Um, I just think they're very good. I think they're seeing the benefits of Ryan Gold. Um, I think Brian White continues form. They'll eventually get Lucas Cavallini back, despite what Josh may think of him. Yeah, I think I agree with I think I think Vancouver does it. I don't think Minnesota are very good and I think they're very injury prone and they're going to suffer more injuries with the rigors of the end of the season schedule. So, yeah, I'm backing Vancouver. Josh, are you changing sides or are you sticking with the Western Canadian team? I mean, from the get-go, haven't been high on Minnesota, again, because of just how dreadful their start to the season was. The only reason why I feel like picking Minnesota 
just because their schedule is easier than Vancouver. Um, I'm looking, and again, they actually, yeah, they both have three home games left. I think the biggest thing for Vancouver is that they have to go on the road to Portland and on the road to LAFC, whereas Minnesota only has to go on the road to Vancouver and like LA Galaxy. Um, they get Sporting Kansas City at home. They get LAFC at home. They get Philadelphia at home. And those are arguably going to be their three toughest teams, Vancouver game aside. But I don't know. Minnesota just have not clicked at all this season in the way I think we were expecting, especially after their run to the ML. Uh, the Western Conference final last year where all it took was a a last-minute Seattle game winner. But, yeah, I mean, I like Drew's logic with this. Ryan Gold and Brian White, baby. That's all you need. You just got to ride those guys all the way to the playoffs, and then you're probably set. So I'm probably going to stick with Vancouver here. Um, And, again, I would just be surprised if Minnesota is able to pull it off after the horrible start to the season. Speaking of Vancouver, let's do our goals of the week. My goal of the week was against Vancouver. It was my favorite player, a part, a second favorite player, not on Toronto FC, Nicolas Benazet. Gorgeous Meg, really good control, great pass. Um, Meg's the keeper, big goal for Seattle, their second to put them up. Um, get that winning goal. I want Nicholas Benazet. I think he's great. So he's great. Uh, let's go to the person who spoiled their goal earlier by talking about the spelling of this person's name. Which I got right on the first try. Kind of. Yeah. I, no, no, there is no kind of, nobody does the accents. It's not a thing, right? Nobody does it. Uh, yeah, Casper Shabilko is my pick, and it's a pick that I made a really long time ago. I was dead set on this goal from the minute he scored it. I was like, that's the one I'm picking for the outline this week. Absolutely did not pick it 10 seconds before we started recording this segment. Uh, but it was a good goal, though, and a really good pass. I can't remember who played the pass that led. It was like the pass before the pass. Uh, but honestly, it was a really good play for Philadelphia, if we're being honest. Not that it's hard to do that kind of thing against SC Cincinnati, but nonetheless, it's Casper Shabilko's goal. Very nice finish uh, re- as a result from a, a really good team play. Drew, what about your goal of the week? I went with Adrian Hunu's goal against Colorado. I think it was the first goal of the game pretty early on as I got kind of smacked by the Rapids, but hit it well. Totally mixed some guy on the way in. That's all I got for you. Pretty cool. I went on YouTube and searched Minnesota-Colorado highlights because there were four goals in that game. I said, one of these has to be cool. And the first one I saw was, hey, that's pretty cool for me. So I went with that one. So I got my goal of the week of making the guy on the way in. It's pretty awesome. So I went with that. Let's get to players of the week. As Connor says, pretty consistent here. Going with your goal of the week, Connor, who was your player of the week? My goal of the week and my player of the week? Or courtesy of Nicholas Benazay. Uh, I believe he got a goal and potentially an assist as well, maybe a second goal. I think he had a couple goal involvements. Um, so I went with him. I think he doesn't get enough love, and I think he was an unbelievable signing by Seattle at the transfer deadline. Uh, so I went with him. We'll skip Josh because he didn't vote, and there was no vote this week. So we will go straight to Drew. 
I went with Ryan White again because he scored a goal against Seattle, and he has four goals in two games. So he's cooking it up. Pretty tough result for him, but he's turning it up. So two weeks in a row, I went with Ryan White. Yeah, go Caps. Perfect. Let's finish off with our games to watch as Drew pulls up the MLS Fantasy. Uh, I will go first, and I will do self-promo. I'm going with the Toronto FC versus Atlanta United game solely because I will be live-tweeting it on Saturday night. Uh, You can expect somewhere between 20 to 30 tweets from me for no reason in particular that has to do with an assignment. Um... (laughs) So you can check out my Twitter feed for that. Follow me on Twitter at CWG Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. And yeah, I will be interviewing one of these fine gentlemen, hopefully, um, after the game, which we will figure out after we finish recording. Josh, you are the most likely interview because Drew is a student and probably has something to write about a football game. What is your game to watch? I'm going with RSL versus Colorado, also on Saturday night. Very interested to see if Colorado is definitely going through a bit of a rough patch. Very nice performance against Minnesota, which we didn't mention, by the way. Minnesota scored in the eighth minute, and Colorado got a red card in the 57th minute, and then Colorado scored three goals to come from behind and win, and they did it without Kellen Acosta, who is one of their most important players since he was with the U.S. national team. So that's another reason to be down on Minnesota, by the way. Sorry to cut you jump in here, but how did none of us give it to Barrios? Hit a goal and an assist. I mean, yeah. All right. That's my player of the week right there. Michael Barrios. There you go. Big there. (laughs) We get him in for the player of the week. Swooped in. There you go. Uh, But yeah, so I'm, I'm interested if Colorado can continue to turn this around. I think a lot of people have been worried about them fizzing out towards the end of the season where they were looked like they were hanging with, Sporting Kansas City and Seattle for most of the year. They are, you know, suddenly in danger of trying to fend off Portland for that third seed. So I'm very curious to see if they can hang and uh, build off of this performance against RSL. And then on the flip side, can RSL make a late push for the playoffs? They're above the playoff line right now, but they've been super up and down since uh, Freddie War has left them for Seattle. So that's why I'm going with RSL versus Colorado. Drew, what is your game to watch? Yes, I went with Montreal versus Philadelphia. That will be Saturday at 1 o'clock as both teams, mainly for the Montreal point of view, uh, they're in that seventh-place spot trying to fight off Atlanta United for that final playoff spot. And Philadelphia is kind of trying to get in that second-place spot. Them and Nashville are kind of in a uh, tough race there. Philadelphia is benefiting off Nashville, getting some draws as of late, not playing its best soccer so Philadelphia is trying to get that second place spot to try and get the seventh seed while Nashville is trying to hold on a second and try to prevent Philadelphia from getting the seventh seed and keep them from the three seed, which they will play the sixth seed as NYCFC, Montreal, DC United are all tied with 40 points. So Montreal doesn't really have any opportunity to misstep here. They play a good team in Philadelphia. So I went with that one as Philadelphia tries to get second and Montreal just tries to have their playoff lives. All right. Without further ado, our favorite segment of the podcast, specifically Josh's favorite segment of the podcast, our MLS fantasy update. Drew, how bad are we looking? 
Yeah, so Josh is next to last. He got two points this week. He has 961 points, which is 961 points more than the guy below him. So he is in 16th out of 17th place. Uh, so good job, Josh. Connor is in 10th. He pulled away from me a little bit. He has 1,633 points ahead of Blender Daddy's boys. Man, you talk about a fall-off. Blender Daddy falling off from 1st to 11th. That's rough. And right behind Blender Daddy is myself with 1,552 points. Older Goaler in first, Goat Breck Shea in second, Peachy Swagger third, Colorado Crapids in fourth. So not a whole lot of movement from the top. Josh still sucks. Me and Connor are still close at it. And that is how it is shaken out, and we don't have a whole lot of time left to see who's going to win this one. No, we do not. So hopefully I can stay atop the fantasy rankings for this podcast. Uh, We'll ignore how terrible we are in reference to everybody else. But uh, if nobody else has anything to add to this wonderful episode, Drew, you can take us out. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. And as always, you can find the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex.com. You can visit the website at MLSMultiplex.com, on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. Check out stories that are awesome contributors are writing and see stories as they are tweeted on the socials you can find us on twitter myself at underscore true hubbard connor at cwg somerville and josh at josh underscore boland so give us a follow on twitter visit the website and please leave a review on the podcast we love hearing ways of how we can get better and improve so thank you guys again so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week because we will be with you again with another episode Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.